Welcome, Pewter Report readers and listeners, to another edition of the Pewter Report Podcast. I am John Ledyard. This is my boss, the one and only Scott Reynolds, and we are pumped to be here with you on the Pewter Report Podcast on a Wednesday preview show, energized by our friends over at Celsius. Scott, we have a really enticing matchup. Everybody's going to look at the Falcons' record and say, oh, this team, you know, they're bad. The Bucs should crush them. And I agree the Bucs should win the game. But this is not your typical, what are the Falcons, four and eight or something like that football team. The Falcons have been in four and nine. They've been in the majority of their games this season, including against many good teams. Yeah, They just haven't been able to finish, and that's been a problem that's plagued them for a long time. No, you're you're exactly right. And, uh, you know, this is a a weird week because all of a sudden the Bucs have had COVID issues. They haven't had Mm. many issues in terms of their starters. They've had a couple guys in the practice squad. Um, so, some lower level players, Jaden Mickens was on the COVID list earlier this year and you go all the way back to training camp with Keyshawn Vaughn, but, but now all of a sudden special teams, you know, hit with the COVID issue. We'll talk about that and, and, uh, and certainly preview this Bucks Falcons game, which is not going to be easy for the reasons you mentioned a couple of key injuries, Ronald Jones for the Buccaneers, having that pin inserted in his pinky. And then you got Julio Jones still out with a hamstring injury. He's a difference maker if he gets on the field uh, alongside Calvin Ridley, who's having a great yeah. year. But um, first thing we got to do, John, is get this podcast energized by our good friends at Self. John, it's Wednesday, and that means I am back to orange, my friends. Oh, wow. Is it Wednesday orange day? It, it's become that. Uh, yeah, uh, Monday's becoming like test a different flavor day. We don't do um, a podcast on Tuesday. And listen, I don't oh. drink Celsius seven days a week, folks. I don't, right? I don't need that much energy. But certainly during a busy football season, Monday, which is oh, a yeah. day after game day, I need it. I usually have one on game day. Um Certainly on Wednesday, which is you know another busy day, we've got conference calls, um, a lot of writing to do, a lot of reporting, and uh, and this this orange gets me through, folks. The one thing that you've come to know by now, I think, if you've been a loyal viewer and listener to the Peter Report podcast, is Celsius powers active lives every day with essential functional energy. What I love about it, John, is it's got no sugar, no preservatives, and you know what? A lot of times, energy drinks. You'll, you'll get that crash, you know, maybe you don't know this because you really weren't an energy drinker, uh, you know, until True. you, you tried out Celsius True. until Celsius. Correct. Yeah. But the thing is, is a lot of times and I'm not going to name other companies, but you would drink an energy drink. It works for a little bit. And then you get a couple hours later, a crash. Well, that doesn't happen with Celsius, at least not to me. So, uh, this, this is the time, this is the season of giving, so whether it's you want to give Celsius to some of your coworkers, some of your friends, um, some of your relatives, or if you want Celsius for yourself, um, here's what you do. You can go to Celsius.com and find their store locator and then go there and, and purchase as much Celsius as you want. Or you can go to the pewterreport.com website, click on the Celsius banners. They're going to take you to Amazon where you can order in cases of Celsius and save money. If you're not sure which one you like, whether it's orange or the Fuji apple pear that I tried uh, or the jackfruit that you tried last week, um, it's really easy. Get the variety pack. That way you can sample all the different flavors of Celsius. So we appreciate Celsius' support and make sure that you support Celsius because of the great work they do here to help the Peter Report podcast. John, big game this week as the big breaking news scott actually just while you were doing that celsius read ronald jones placed on the reserve COVID 19 list so already kind of in doubt for this week with the finger or in question with this week for the finger so now he's on the COVID list this is not as big of a concern as in ronald jones won't play in this game here's why it's a big concern scott now we've seen 
Ryan Suckup and Zach Triner and and Bradley Pinion placed on the COVID-19 reserve list. Still waiting to see kind of what happens in that situation, who ends up coming off the list. But Ronald Jones placed individually on the list here. We don't know at this time whether he's tested positive or anything like that um, right. or whether it was just a close contact of, of someone, but it would be someone else not probably those guys. Otherwise he would have gotten put on the list when, when the specialists got put on the list. So yeah, we'll see if this is the last ripple that would, the, the two biggest things from this, Scott, that come to my mind is, is this the last ripple in the COVID-19 yeah. kind of pool that, that, that the Bucks will have to deal with um, during this week? Uh, you know, most teams, it tends to be one guy and a couple guys and then another right. guy, you know? And so that is the thing to watch. The other thing is not so much a big deal, not having Ronald Jones against the Falcons in my opinion, but, the guys that might replace him are a bigger problem. I know LeSean McCoy played well in this last game, but Scott, I just don't know if he's a guy you want back there the full time. And then if is Leonard Fournette going to come from being inactive to being the starter? I mean, it, yeah, that, that's what's going to happen. You're going to have Leonard Fournette being the starter this week uh, if Ronald Jones stays on that COVID list for sure. And then we still don't even know if, if let's say there was a close contact issue and he is eligible to play after a couple of negative COVID tests later this week. If he's eligible to play, how's that finger going to hold up on Friday? And, and is it going to be a game-time decision? Uh, what, if, what if he goes out there and takes a couple handoffs from Brady um, you know, in pregame warm-ups, and, and then he becomes a scratch on Sunday? So uh, a, lot of, a lot of mystery that will be unraveled by 1 o'clock on Sunday for sure, but certainly right now, I think you would have to list Ronald Jones, in my opinion, as doubtful for this game because of that double whammy with the finger and and also with the COVID. And yeah, Leonard Fournette would be the starting running back. That's something that Bruce Aaron shared with us today on the conference call. Mm-hmm. And I, I think LaShawn McCoy would certainly be in that third down role that he played and played very well last week, John. Yeah, he. Did. I mean, he did. And that's the role you kind of want him in, I guess. But then it's also like, Leonard Fournette, I mean, he just was inactive, like for a reason, because he's not very good. And so it's just funny, uh, like that. I mean, all of a sudden he can be plugged in the lineup and look, like, okay, if he's your best option, whatever, but you better not be coming out with any run heavy approach and trying to run the ball in first down. Like, get that out of here. Like, John, this is the kind title of, of this podcast is right. Prepare for an Air Raid. And that's that's what we're going to get, damn it. Right. We're not we're talking about the Air Raid. Team. We're going to get the Bucks throwing the ball on Sunday. It's, this is going to be like the old arena football league. This is going to be like Big 12 football we're yeah. watching here on Sunday. I mean, that's honestly what we're talking about, Scott, because, I mean, we already have, you know, in the Bucks and the Falcons, we already have two teams that love to throw the football. I mean, they are pass-heavy teams. Don't care what they're trying to tell you at either coaching staff. These are teams that want to yeah. throw the football. And the injuries to Todd Gurley lately for the Falcons have made them even more that way. Obviously, Ronald Jones' status could make the Bucks even more that way, and especially yeah. the fact that they seem to – soured understandably so on Leonard Fournette so again it's kind of like all these pieces you're looking at and you're saying this is probably going to be you know uh, a pass heavy uh, attack uh, that we're going to see now also to note the the Bucks are the team that in neutral situations first and second downs with the win percentage between 25 and 75 percent and excludes under the two minutes left in the half so again we're talking about neutral situations where run and pass have a, a more of a of a fair uh, like idea of being operated from an either perspective. So you, they could teams could run or pass with equal propensity in these situations. Typically um, the bucks are being thrown on more than any other team in the league. 60% of the time in neutral situations, Scott, the bucks are The teams are throwing the ball in the box and yep. they can't run it on them. And most teams haven't had success running on the box this season. B it's been like taking candy from a baby to throw against them most of the season. Right. If you can protect, that's the key, you know, and the, and right. the Vikings couldn't. And so, and the Falcons are not far down this list either. They're like eighth or ninth, something like that in terms of the defensive neutral pass rate. So teams are throwing on the Falcons as well in these situations, because you can pass the ball in both of these teams. The Falcons right. just have not had a, a ton of success as a secondary and injuries have been a big part of that. Scott, they weren't going to be a great group coming into the year probably. And now maybe their best player coming into the season, Ricardo Allen, although he's probably one of the more unsung players is hurt and missed the last game. Maybe missed a couple games. He's a concussion. He did not practice today either. So it's shaping up to be a game where the bucks throw the ball a lot. And I think they can do it successfully too. Yeah, I think so. And, and uh, you know, I, I, I look at the Falcons defense and really 
there's not a lot of star power there except right down the middle, right? You've got you got Deion Jones, who's a fantastic inside linebacker. He's the guy that that won the game for for the Falcons last year, picking off Jameis Winston on that that errant throw to Cameron Braid in overtime, first play yeah. of overtime right. that uh, sealed the Bucks' fate at seven and nine. And and what I like about this guy, and he's you know he's he's really what the Bucks want Devin White to be, right? He's he's got the sideline to sideline speed, but the instincts in this guy and the complete game that he has. You know, he already has two interceptions this year, including a 67-yard pick six. He's got a forced fumble, mm-hmm. fumble recovery, uh, six pass breakups, three and a half sacks. He really is a do-it-all linebacker. He can go north and south and, and east and west, and he's that complete linebacker that, that the Buccaneers are really hoping that, that their own LSU linebacker, Devin White, can be. Uh, you've got Keanu Neal, who is, uh, you know, kind of a, of a do-it-all safety as well. He's not, I don't think, as as good in pass coverage as some safeties, but he's certainly really good in the box and in run support. And and maybe that's that's a matchup that you can put Rob Gronkowski on Keanu Neal and, and maybe win there. And then, of course, Grady Jarrett, right? They're, they're a Pro Bowl defensive tackle. Mm-hmm. 47 tackles this year, three sacks. He's a, a disruptor and a big-time presence inside. And I, you know, I, I look at, at the Falcons and they're strong up the middle, but really on the outside and, and AJ Terrell, you know, he's, he's been okay uh, in, in pass coverage. He's got a, a handful of pass breakups. He's got one interception, but, but he's kind of a tough guy in run support. He's got three, four fumbles yeah. too, which is second on the team. So I, I, I think there's some matchups in that secondary. And you look at a lot of teams have thrown the ball all over the place on, uh, on Atlanta's secondary and really, uh, Justin Herbert was was the, the last one, although he didn't blow up. He only had 243 yards, two touchdowns, and one pick. Uh, but certainly, you know, uh, was able to to find some some ways to exploit that defense. And I think that's that's been kind of the Achilles heel this year is the Falcons defense. Yeah, I mean, Atlanta's defense has had talent, but the problem is they just don't they don't have a, a ton of it. You know, especially on the edge. That's been they, they've been trying to find edge pass rush potential and they are starting to rush the passer a little bit better in recent weeks which has helped them but it's still Grady Jarrett and a bunch of guys for the most part I know Dante yeah. Fowler's a name and I apologize to all the Florida fans that uh that just heard me say that but I just the reality is Dante Fowler especially coming to Atlanta this offseason has been a huge bust for the Falcons in terms yeah. of what he's been able to produce and give them so they are kind of they haven't found ways to impact the pocket consistently, and they're very young or inexperienced at the cornerback position. Isaiah Oliver's been kind of a bust for them as a second-round pick. Darquez Denard was kind of a late free agent signing right. uh, that's given them a little – again, run support for their corners, great. And that was something that was very poor for the Vikings last week. Yep. It allowed them to get some some nice runs out of structure even. Um, but A.J. Terrell and Darquez Denard, Darquez Denard, they've done a great job in that capacity. Right. But in coverage, yeah, all these guys can be beaten. Terrell is actually, you know, he was one of the most criticized first-round picks by him. I love, I love yeah. A.J. Terrell. I was kind of on his side a little bit with that pick. Um, he was one of the most criticized first-round picks probably in that draft. And according to Pro Football Focus, at least, he is the second-highest defensive grade of any rookie. In fact, he and Chase Young, who is the highest, are the only two defensive rookies in the NFL right now with grades over 70 for pro football focus. So I've seen some of AJ Terrell rough start to the season. He's still getting beat, but every rookie corner is, and he's also made a bunch of plays and he's been in great position for a lot of the plays he's given up. He needs to find the football. So there are still plays to be had there. I do not think AJ Terrell is going to shadow Mike Evans or anything like that. Uh, If they're smart, I think this is going to be a game where the bucks are going to have matchups. They can win really across the board. I bet you see, especially with Rojo, I bet you see a lot of two-eye safety looks from Atlanta, even if it isn't their given propensity uh, per se. The question is, will Ricardo Allen be back there? Typically, this has been a a single high-heavy team, I think. Um, And so, you know, with Ricardo Allen playing free safety and Keanu Neal buzzing down and matching up in the slot uh, against tight ends and such, we'll see if they alter their approach at all. But uh, Sherrod Neesman got some praise from Raheem Morris for his play. Last week at free safety in place of Ricardo Allen, so we'll see what they what they have to offer. But if Allen isn't able to play again, I just think this really is a defense that you've got to be able to take advantage of, and they've given up a ton of big passing plays this year. And you know, right. Bruce Arians is kind of licking his chops, looking to come out aggressive against Atlanta. Exactly. Let's continue to talk about the Falcons' defense and how much it matches up with the Bucks' offense. But first, let's go down that injury report list, John, for the 
for the folks that are listening and watching out there live, Jamel Dean, groin strain, and he's limited. Joe Haig did not participate yeah. today with an illness. Ronald Jones did not participate either with that finger, obviously. And then two guys were limited for the Bucks that participated, Jason Pierre-Paul with that knee, bat- knee injury he's been battling all year, as well as Steve McLendon with the elbow. Uh, for the Falcons, the list is, is longer. The players that did not participate are Darquez Denard, Quadriceps, Ricardo Allen. We talked about that with the concussion issue. Julio Jones with the hamstring. Caleb McGarry, not injury-related, did not participate. The players that were limited, James Carpenter with the groin, the guard. Uh, defensive tackle, Marlon Davidson with a knee injury, was limited, as well as uh, Stephen Means, who's kind of their designated pass rusher with a hand injury. Calvin Ridley hurt his foot late in the game, stayed in the game against the Chargers, who was limited today in practice. Keith Smith, the fullback, also limited with a neck injury. And um, Mikael Walker, linebacker, shoulder injury, limited. So, you know, he's flashed some too. He's been kind of their coverage backer. And so there's a bunch yeah. of names on that list. I mean, we'll see how they end up. I think a lot of them didn't play last week. So maybe yeah. they're holding them out for, for this matchup. But, you know, it. Uh, John, you talked about the lack of pass rush, right? And and they've, mm-hmm. they've really been trying. I mean, Dan Quinn was the defensive line coach up there in Seattle. And so they've really tried to fortify that defensive line for some time now. It's it's kind of been his undoing, right? That's part of the reason why he got fired because the defense just just wasn't there. The pass rush wasn't there. They've got 25 sacks so far this year. And you look at it, Deion Jones leads the team at the linebacker position with three and a half. Uh, we talked about Grady Jarrett with three. Stephen Means, who's a former Buccaneer from way back in the day, three sacks as a situational pass rusher. Charles Harris, former first-round pick, who's kind of been bumped around the league, three sacks. You mentioned Dante Fowler. He only has two this year. Mm-hmm. Um and, and then, you know, you look at the guys that they've parted ways with, uh, Tack McKinley and Vic Beasley. Those were first-round busts, essentially. They're no longer in Atlanta for a reason. They couldn't get to the quarterback. And John Kaminsky, yeah. they spent a, a, a mid-round pick on him a couple years ago. He's just kind of a stiff, run-stuffing defensive and only has one sack. So so I, you look back at John, and, and obviously Tom Brady is a different quarterback when he is protected. And and I think that, that when you look at – at uh, the pass protection last week, not allowing a sack. They need to do that again. And what I watched on film when I watched the, the Falcons-Chargers game earlier today was that the defense was having to go to a, an underfront to get an extra linebacker up there to kind of give give the team an extra uh, pass rusher in, in certain situations or at least present a five-man front. But like you said, you can't do that if you're playing cover two. So it will be interesting, interesting to see – the Falcons only generated one sack of Justin Her- Herbert last week. And and so I wonder if they're going to try to pressure Brady early like they tried last week against Herbert. And if, and if it doesn't work, they're just going to have to fall back to, to cover two. Yeah, it's going to be a really – I mean, they're going to have to be – if you're the Falcons and you're trying to draw up a scheme defensively, you know what's coming. Like you, it was, Even without the Ronald Jones news, I think you know what's coming in this game. You know the Bucs just were patient for a whole game. That's just not going to last with Bruce yeah. Arians, man. He's going to come out uh, swinging in this game, I think, um, trying to make some some statements. And so, you know, I think that uh, they know that, that I think. And, and so it's about, okay, so how, what are we going to do? I mean, I don't know how you you have to blitz if you're Atlanta. Like you, ha- I think you have to be able to get after – the quarterback and you have to take chances. You're going to leave guys one-on-one and leave guys exposed. Yeah, it's a risk, but I just don't know what, how can you look at what the Vikings did and just be like, Oh, this is okay. I mean, the only time the Vikings didn't really even get home on the blitz very often. Um, But they, you know, they threw a couple blitzes out there and you know, the bucks are just a team that if you look at their issue, they've had issues with hots uh, sometimes at times this season, getting on the same page with those. And so if you're the Falcons, you have to go to something like that. Like you can't just, yeah, I mean, this team has given up 50, 20 plus yard pass plays this season. Like, that's the most in the NFL. Like, you're going to get shredded if you don't impact the pocket. And Brady's shown, you know, he's always kind of been his one thing. If you force him off his spot, right, you're said than done. But if you force him off his spot, you can get some inaccurate throws from him. And so I think if you're the Falcons, I mean, they're, they're, they're sending pressure, they're blitzing now at a percentage that's 30 over 31%. Um, which is, you know, outside of the top 10 in the league, probably cl- close to the middle of the league type of rate. But this would be one where I think they probably are, are upping that a little bit. Um, and they are getting pressure this season. You know, they're getting pressure at a top 
10 rate, just barely top 10 rate this season uh, with their defense. So they, they have been able to generate some pressure with blitzes in certain matchups and games. And that's kind of been the chunk of it. It hasn't been a consistent thing for them, I think. Um, but that is kind of what they're going to have to do in this game. I don't think they can sit and be comfortable kind of just playing coverage and hoping that Brady doesn't pick them apart because if they're, if they're not kind of forcing the issue, I think they're not going to have much success. But for the Bucs, I mean, to be honest in this game, I think you 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 have to be aggressive too. You know, I mean, this yeah. is you don't want the Falcons to hang around, not because the Falcons can close games. We know that's been an issue, but because right. this is a team they can score. You know, the Falcons can yeah. absolutely score. You know, that we that is something that's very abnormal about teams that are typically in their position where they're kind of I think they're already officially limited. Yeah, they're already officially eliminated, I'm sure. So, yeah. you know, there aren't a lot of teams that can score like Atlanta can in, in uh at this point in the season that that kind of a record. One thing I will say, though, as we as we talk about this Falcons offense, this red zone team is just I mean, they are just brutal in the red zone on offense and they're great in the red zone on defense. And it's so weird, Scott, like this is not a good defense and it is an offense with a ton of talent. And most of I know Julio has been hurt kind of in and out of the, during the season, but yeah. they still have a ton of talent and they just can't finish in the red zone. I mean, this is what's their ranking 31st in the red zone. Right, and a year where where across the league red zone numbers are higher than they've ever been. It's like a red zone boon this season. I mean, it's yeah. just crazy. The fa- the Titans were over seventy percent last year, and that was viewed as like unsustainable. This year, we've got the Bucks are over seventy percent, and they're like sixth or seventh in the NFL. So it's just been crazy how good red zones offenses have been in the NFL, and the Falcons still down at the bottom of the league. But they have the fourth best red zone defense. Scott, it's just crazy. The well, situational football is flipped. It really is, and and I think when you look at at Dirk Cutter, who's calling the plays? Yeah, I'm glad you brought this up. Yeah, he's been he's had some red zone struggles in his career, hasn't he? Yeah, he really has, right? <laughs> We've seen those in Tampa. Yeah. But the thing is, Dirk Cutter loves the tight end, and when, when I watch the film, I see you know plenty of, of tight end usage, right? There's mm-hmm. there's uh, a couple of tight ends on, you know, they, they use a lot of, of twelve personnel, mm-hmm. and and they kind of give you the illusion of running the ball, um, and you know you, you look at at Hayden Hurst, who's their their kind of uh, you know breadwinner at at the tight end spot, and then Jaden Graham is the other one. Both of those guys only caught one pass last week, and and Hayden Hurst, I mean, he has Falcon fans just scratching their heads. Uh, there has been zero production from this guy really over the last month of the season. Now, uh, the the Falcons have been one in three in their last four games. Their loss. Uh, to uh, to the Saints at New Orleans. Yeah, he was targeted twice, had zero catches. In their big win against the Raiders, forty-three to six, Hayden Hurst had four catches, eight targets for forty-eight yards. But the last two weeks, uh, the rematch against the Saints, he had four targets, one catch for nine yards, and then in last week's game, a head scratching one catch for seven yards. And and so for as much as as Dirk Cutter has that mo of likes liking to throw the ball to the tight end, we we saw a lot of production from both OJ Howard and Cam Brait down here when Dirk was calling the plays. Uh, the tight end position just has really been non-existent over the last month of football. Maybe that changes with Devin White coming to town. You know who knows? Yeah, it's it really is kind of the the thing for the Bucks. I mean, the, if you were going to figure out how to defend this Falcons team, you obviously typically the Bucs have had a lot of, I mean, look at last week, even like Irv Smith and Tyler Conklin are lighting them up. Uh, we've seen tight end score consistently against the Bucs this season, and they haven't found like a matchup guy for tight ends per se uh, this year. Um, you know, they, the, so a lot of tight ends have pretty been able to produce against them. Um, I think that in this matchup, it kind of goes in the Bucs favor. Cause like you said, that Falcons have not had a dynamic player in that regard. Hayden Hurst was traded for a second round pick. I still think they're going to try to get him involved. I mean, I don't think he's anything special, but he's a decent tight end. You know, it was a dumb trade. Don't get me wrong. I, I bashed the trade up and down. There's not much more to say about that, but I still think he's a guy that can be effective. And we just saw Tyler Conklin and Irv Smith, who aren't exactly, you know, household names yet, lighten up the Bucks. And so I think that the Falcons are going to see that and they're going to utilize that. I don't think there's any question about that in my mind. The question really in this game becomes, does Julio Jones play? Obviously, that's a huge yeah. part of it because he's, you know when he's healthy, he's probably, you know you, you can still make that case he's the best receiver in the league. But the other part of it is the Falcons are just kind of this complete boomer bust type of offense. Like they have a ton yeah. of twenty plus yard plays. Like 
third most deep attempts in the league, third most deep completions. We know this about Cutter, right? He loves to go deep, uh, but they have five touchdowns, five interceptions on these plays. So it's been a lot of boomer bust. They also have the sixth longest time to throw of any quarterback this season Matt Ryan has. And so he is taking his time in the pocket, but he's not always getting time. He's pressured a ton. He sacked a ton, six most sacks, six most pressure dropbacks. And like I said, six longest time to throw. And so, you know, there's kind of a lot of contributing factors here to why Matt Ryan is getting pressure. One of them is definitely the offensive line. You know, uh, this is, we've talked about it. I think we talked about it last week or maybe it was Sunday night. But Shaq Barrett and Jason Pierre-Paul destroyed Atlanta in both matchups last season. A combined 28 pressures in two games, Scott. (laughs) I mean, just Shaq Barrett had 18 by himself in their two games. And they obviously combined for seven sacks as well. Barrett had four. JPP had three. I mean, those are just ridiculous numbers. So Todd Bowles – By the way, John, they've been hot in the last two games, right? That's right. Of getting their pass rush revved up. Yep. John, to your point about the Falcons offense being boom or bust, here's a couple of, of stats and numbers to back that up. Uh, if you remember back when they beat the Broncos 34 to 27, they, they put up a, a decent amount of points. The next week, though, at New Orleans, scored just nine points in a 24 to 9 loss. Then came back, and of course, the defense helped out, but 43 to 6 with a very convincing and surprising win over the Las Vegas Raiders. And then you've got the Saints rematch. It was a close game. But, again, the Falcons' offense just couldn't produce. Matt Ryan had been sacked eight times mm-hmm. um, in, by, by the Saints in the first game. So you're talking about giving up a ton of sacks. He was sacked three times in the rematch, and the Falcons scored just 16 points, losing 21-16. Then last week, 20-17 to loss. Falcons' offense could not get above 20 points again. And Matt Ryan threw three interceptions. So you look at, at Matt Ryan, since that win against Denver, uh, he he threw uh, two interceptions against the Saints the first game with no touchdowns, and then two yep. touchdowns, one interception against the Raiders, one touchdown, no interceptions against the Saints in the rematch. It wasn't enough. And then one touchdown, three interceptions in last week's game. And, and over that span, he's been sacked a total of 14 times in four mm-hmm. games. So you're right. Getting to Matt Ryan does two things. You can get him on the ground and get those sack uh, yardage uh, rack-ups. And we saw what happened last week against the Vikings when the Buccaneers were able to get to Kirk Cousins on third down. It pushed them out of the, the red zone in, in some occasions and, and made those field goal attempts a little bit longer. Now, the thing is, is, the Falcons actually have a pretty damn good kicker compared to the Vikings. Yeah. And and they're not going to get bailed out by Dan Bailey's uh, kicks. Young Hoku is, is uh, you know, having a Pro Bowl caliber season. 34 of th- sorry, 33 of 34 field goals this year, 97.1%. And he has missed just three. Extra- he's the reason Ryan Tuckup's not going to make the Pro Bowl. That's right. Yeah. That's he's, he's had that good of a year with only three missed yeah. extra points. So, uh, we, we've talked a little bit about, about the Bucks kicking situation. And if it's not Ryan Suckup, um, that, that could be a bit of a game changer because, uh, Koo does not miss for the Falcons. Right. I mean, again, like what you said, this, you know, you'd hate to see this, but every Bucks fan is thinking this, Scott, we almost got through a seat just when it looked like you're going to get through a season with no kicker issues and no problems. COVID-19 takes out your kicker. I just think Bucks fans got to be beside themselves about that. I mean, I, I Greg Joseph, look, I mean, I said this on the radio this morning. Greg Joseph has had a good NFL career in the small sample size that we have. You know, he came in in Cleveland. He missed three kicks, I think, and they were all like longer kicks. I mean, we're talking he missed one from 50 plus and two from 40, but he made like five from 40 plus two. And he only had yeah. seven opportunities, I think. So he made everything inside of that. Very similar to suck up in terms of his profile, like. Sure guy inside of that. You know, he was good on it last year with Tennessee. He never got to kick a field goal in any of the games he played in, but seven for seven on extra points. Um, so he hasn't missed a kick in a long time. I don't know what he's done, what he's done in practice. Uh, obviously, yeah. no preseason this year. You know, it's clearly an unknown, and obviously it's an uncomfortable situation, but the Bucks grabbed him as soon as they could, and they've kind of hung yeah. on to him and protected him on the practice for squad all reasons season. reasons like this. Exactly you know, right. The thing so, is, is Koo has been money for the Falcons. Suckup has been money for the Buccaneers this year. And folks, if you want some money, you know one place to go. Yes. It's my bookie, right? Yes. It's the most wonderful time of the year. 
and it, it can't get here fast enough. We all deserve a win. We all deserve a little extra money in our pocket or perhaps our stocking, right? We all deserve to have a little fun. The only place you're guaranteed to get all three of those is at my bookie. They're the only sports book that doesn't care whether you've been naughty or nice this year. They got gifts for everyone, whether it's the, the NFL, college football, the NBA is around the corner. So is the NHL. Um, they've got all of your, your sports bets at one place. That's at my bookie. Sign up today. Receive the ultimate stocking stuffer. It's a 50% deposit bonus up to $1,000. That's a great place to start. But we all know Christmas is about what's under the tree. And at my bookie, that means huge deposit bonuses, epic giveaways, and free contests. It's simple. Sign up. Enter the promo code Pewter and get your deposit matched halfway up to a thousand bucks. Head over to my bookie to make the most of your holidays this season and strut into 2021 with some cash in your pocket. This winter, bet with the best, bet with my bookie. And John, uh, I was able to jump on the Buccaneers earlier this week when the line was was five and a half. It's now moved to six. So I threw down with the Buccaneers. At, uh, at minus five and a half for this game, I, I, regardless of, about whether they won't have Rojo, regardless about whether they, they won't uh, maybe have Ryan Suckup, I still think they win this game. I'm going to reverse course, and I actually I just feel – because remember, I said I think the Buccaneers lose this game. Mm-hmm. In our Peter Report roundtable a couple weeks ago, we, we had to pick what how the season was going to play out. I said three and one. I just – kind of feel the Buccaneers are going to win this. And so I'm going to change my, my original prognostication. And I, I think the Buccaneers win this game. Wow. Uh, I, I didn't like what I saw uh, on film when I watched the Falcons chargers game, you know, and yeah. it's one game out of the 13 they played or 12 games they played this year, 13, whatever it is. But yeah, I, I mean, I, I, it's I just, I, I like the Buccaneers and, and I like them so much. I went to my bookie and I threw down. I also threw down in case you're interested uh, and and I'm not um, a gambling professional by any means. Uh, but the other game that really interests me was the MAC championship. I, I got Buffalo over uh, Ball State minus 13 and a half. I like Buffalo's ground game. And um, so wow. those, those are my two. Going my, way off the beaten path. Yeah. <laughs> well, did you win the money line too this week? I, I'm just going point spread. No got money. You. Got you. Yeah, I mean, I honestly, Scott, when I, I thought about this game before we did the Vikings show, and I said, that's the one that I don't know. I felt like they would beat the Vikings. Um, mm-hmm. It started off a little scary, but I felt like they would beat the Vikings. It would, it would, you know, not shock me to see the Bucks lose like another game. It wouldn't shock me. I picked them to go 4-0, so that's, you know, that's probably how I'll, unless something yeah. changes or there's way too many COVID issues, you know, that's probably how I'll end up picking this game, but you know, the thing is you always look for matchups, right? When I, why I picked the Saints and the Rams to win that game and everybody was, was right. mad at me because they wanted me to pick you know, the Bucs to win. But matchup-wise, the Bucs just it wasn't a good matchup for them unless, unless you deviate from what you typically do. Right. You have to change for teams that you play. And matchup-wise, I don't really see, you know, obviously anything can happen in a game, like the Bears game. Let's look, for example, like matchup-wise, I don't think that was necessarily the biggest issue for the Bucs. Right. Not having guys hurt mattered, but – you know, the Falcons, I, I don't, you know, like I said, anything can happen. You can have fluke stuff happen. I mean, the Giants, you know, look at that game. And and so, but I just, on paper, it's hard to see like where Atlanta really has that matchup advantage. Uh, you know, if Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones are both 100% and they're both banged up right now, then, you know, maybe they have the matchup at one of those spots, you know. And, and so there's individuals certainly where I'd say Atlanta has a check, but schematically, like, you know, what, what's Atlanta's strength that, that Tampa Bay can't handle, can't deal right. with? They're just coming off a great red zone performance. They can get to the quarterback. They have tons of blitz stuff. Atlanta has not really shown an ability to stop that kind of stuff based on their mm-hmm. past matchups or the season. You know, some of their linemen are hurt right now. Even if they play, Caleb and Gary has not been great this season no. again. <laughs> and, and and Jack Barrett and Jason Bierre Paul have taken him apart. They'd Even Jake Matthews. Chops if McGarry played on Sunday. Right, right. I, I just don't – you know. I don't think what Atlanta does matches up like bad with the box, you know? So again, I don't see the matchups in this one going Atlanta's way. And I think that's where a lot of this stuff matters. Now, you know, we we've talked about the COVID thing to an extent, but and there's only so much to say, Scott, but right. that worries me a lot. The fact that we're in this COVID situation, the Bucs have been one of the teams that have been least affected by it. Now you've got three guys going on the list. You've got one guy going on the list today. With, you know, is it in problem. two different? Yeah, yeah sure. right. That being Ronald Jones. And so 
is it in two different spots? You know, are these two different issues? Both have come in the locker room now and been around other players. You're, you're right. coming off a of game week, so everybody was here. It just does not bode well for how we've seen this thing kind of carry out. And we're not, it's too early to say, you know, yeah. games in doubt or anything like that, or like, will the game get moved? Or, but it's right. just something you've got to keep an eye on when you have back to back days of people being placed on the list. We've oh, seen yeah. that typically continue to move in a negative direction. So that's really where there's not, again, there's not a lot of analysis with that. It's just where my concern is at right now as I think about this game. Yeah. And, and I think too, you know, and talking about, about Rojo, you know, being on that, that COVID list, uh, we've talked about how this is going to be, you know, an air raid type of situation. And, and, and it's just kind of crazy going back to Atlanta for a second, Todd Gurley, I know he's not been, you know, a hundred percent per se, but I mean, Ido Smith has been getting more carries and, and been more productive than Todd Gurley has. And, and you look at, at Gurley's production this year, uh, you know, they really counted on him to, to come and provide a boost to the, the ground game. Uh, it really hasn't materialized. He's got 645 yards, nine touchdowns. He's always been pretty good, at, you know, in the red zone and yeah. around the goal line, but averaging a pedestrian 3.6 yards uh, per carry. He only has one carry over 20 yards this year it was a 35 yarder in his only 100 yard game, which was way back in October against the Panthers. So he's, he's had one game over a hundred yards. He's had one game over 75 yards. Uh, actually, I guess two games when you count the hundred yard game and over the last one, two, three, four, five games, he's only topped 50 yards. One time that was 53 yards in the win against Denver. And six carries, 19 yards last week, eight carries, 16 yards the week before against the Saints. And he, he missed some time between both of those Saints games and, uh, and had just eight carries for 26 yards in the other Saints game. So he really has not been a factor. Ido no. Smith has been more of the factor uh, in terms of, of not just running the ball, but also catching the ball out of the backfield. That's where he's posed a little bit of a danger. But, but even he has got 13 carries, uh, I'm sorry, 13 catches for 54 yards, a 4.2-yard average. He's more quick than he is fast, and I, I just don't see much from, from the, the Falcons' run game that, that really concerns me. Right. No, I completely agree with you. I mean, the Falcons are actually running the ball at a, at a rate that's around the league average. So, I mean, they are they are kind of – They've they've committed to it, even you know. And now, obviously, with Gurley out, I think they've, they've thrown the ball more in recent weeks, if I'm recalling correctly. But it's not necessarily been like a, a real strength of their team, obviously. And so, you know, I think that yeah, early on in the season, they definitely ran, ran it better and more often, I think, than they're running it now. And so, again, this is you know, like I said, everybody's throwing the ball in the box these days. I mean, at a high rate, significantly higher than any other team in the league, the Bucks are getting passed on, especially. The neutral situation. So, you know, that it's about fixing that area of your defense defense if you're the box. I said this, you know, to you guys in the P report chat off the air, yeah. Scott, but it's kind of when you are great against the run, mm. it's a double-edged sword. Right. Because you're it's inviting great to pass. shut down, you're inviting the pass, right? Especially in neutral situations. Teams know in those situations where it's run pass, you know, kind of up in the air. Right. You're, you're probably not in a great situation to run the football against the Bucs. So you're going to throw. And throwing is, by every analytic and stat that we have, a more effective way of producing offense, especially right. in neutral situations. So you are kind of the, – the thing about being great against the run and that being your first priority is it's it can be good to do that, obviously, but it makes other teams be more aggressive against you in certain situations. And most teams that have had success – I mean, look at the Saints, the Rams, and the right. Chiefs. They barely even ran the ball or tried to run the ball against the right. Bucs. You know, the, the Saints did end up because they had the huge lead, but almost every pass was complete in that game for the Saints. So, I mean, it was kind of like, all right, we can do whatever we want at that point now because the Bucs were kicking everything back. And so, the, you know, once in neutral situations, again, the Bucs are getting thrown on. But it's not just because they're so dominant against the, on the, against the ground game. We right. saw the Vikings run it and have, you know, good amount of success against the Bucs. I don't think this is like not anymore without Vea as like the Ravens 2000 yeah. run defense or whatever, you know, early on in the season, it really was. But right. I, at the same time, that is encouraging teams to throw the ball and that's putting them in a lot of bad situations too. Yeah. One and of the things, last that, things, what, like what it, what I liked was we saw a lot more too deep. We saw a lot more quarters. Yeah. We saw more coverage variation for sure. Yeah. Yes. We saw that in the, in the Vikings game and that's really what limited, uh, 
Adam Thielen and just Justin Jefferson to each thir- each having 39 yards receiving. You, know, yeah. you mentioned the tight ends that really got the yardage against the Bucks defense, um, but neither one of those guys, Irv Smith, scored a touchdown uh, against Devin White in coverage. But mm-hmm. but I, I just don't see Hayden Hurst uh, or or Graham being uh, even in their class really uh, in mm-hmm. terms of. Of a threat, and if if that's where Matt Ryan wants to go with the ball, rather than Calvin Ridley or Russell Gage, so be it. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's I think that's exactly what Todd Bowles wants. So I think you're going to see a very similar game plan, where where the ball is going to be forced and funneled to the tight ends, and and you know you just have to have Levante David, your safeties, and Devin White rally to make the tackle. Douglas O'Connor says Keyshawn Vaughn time. John, um, I know that you are a huge proponent of using Leonard Fournette as much as possible, but uh, would you would you mind if Keyshawn Vaughn got a couple of carries this week, assuming Ronald Jones doesn't play due to COVID or the broken? Do you mean, do you mean, do you mean Sneak Vaughn? Is that Sneak Vaughn, as, Vaughn. as our, our good friend Mark Cook likes to call him, Sneak Vaughn? Um, you know. I would like to see the running back position utilized as little as possible, especially this week. Um, I would like to see Vaughn play. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I would like to see him play, you know, protections big, like he has to know the protections, I think, Um, but they say that he does. And so, yeah, play him because last time we saw Fournette in protection, it was terrible. And most of LaShawn McCoy's career over the last few years, especially has been bad in pass protection. He was great in pass protection the other day. Um, Yeah. Big shocker to me. I, I didn't see much of anything coming from LaShawn McCoy that came the other day. So we'll see if it happens again. Um, I think that's going to be the key, right? Like they've dubbed Leonard Fournette this passing down guy. Clearly that isn't how they view him because or anymore because he would have been active, if least right. for that capacity. So in that in their mind, at least, LaShawn McCoy and Keyshawn Vaughn were better options for that role last week than Fournette was. Otherwise, right. they would, there was no other reason for those guys to be active over him if they didn't think he was. they right. were better. Bruce Arians has talked about how Keyshawn Vaughn has looked in practice. Okay, well, let's – if Rojo's not playing, he's going to be active. He's going to be being played special teams for sure. So get him a couple of touches, just like you did with LaShawn McCoy, uh, a couple carries, a couple you know, uh, pass-catching opportunities. Let's see how much he's improved because he's got seven targets this year and two drops. Of course, one of those was was the big fumble in Chicago. There was a big game changer right before halftime. But let's see how much this kid has progressed. Mm-hmm. Because guess what? Shady's not going to be here next year. Neither's Fournette. So the Bucks are going to have to add another running back or two. Maybe it's James White. Maybe it's Rex Burkhead in free agency as that safety blanket out of the backfield for Tom Brady. Maybe they draft another running back because Ronald Jones will be in a contract year. You know the rule, John. You don't pay running backs, right? So you nope. got to keep that conveyor belt going, and and let's let's see what what uh, what happens with Keyshawn Vaughn down the stretch if he's a right. viable option to be RB two next year, or if you got to go out and get somebody. Big Earn eight four nine, our good friend, wants to know, John, if you can fill him in. What's the plan for kicker and punter? And let's also throw long snapper in there right now if the Bucks can't go. Well, it'd be Greg Joseph a kicker, and it'd be Greg Joseph a punter. So yeah. he'd be double. Greg Joseph up. has been on the practice squad all year long, right? That's that's He's been ready. the Bucks' safety yeah. net there at the kicker position, right? Right. It's, right. So I, he would be the guy in kicker and punter that would go in those situations. They would just kind of make do, and then they said that Anthony Nelson, Bruce Arians said today, would be the the long snapper, and Ryan Jensen would be the short snapper. And so that's probably how they'll handle those types of things. I'd imagine those guys have had some reps. We saw Anthony Nelson just getting some reps today in that capacity. And so, you know, if that's if that's what it takes, or you know, Greg Allman said there's some guys that they may have gotten into the pro- COVID protocol process. He tweeted about some of those guys, yeah. and so maybe those guys are options. Brett Mayer would be the the kicker they'd add to the practice squad in place in case something were to happen to Greg Joseph. Right. You know, you obviously you want to just have all your bases covered. Um, I think Dustin Colquitt was the or was it Britain? I don't remember. One of the Colquitt brothers, whichever one's – maybe both of them are free agents now. I don't know. One of them started the year with the Steelers, so I should know. Um, but he got cut. He was terrible. Um, and so one of them would be the punter, I think, in that situation if they're able to get him through the protocols and everything's negative with him. So, again, we're just getting – you were kind of preparing doomsday scenarios. You're yeah. looking at you know the worst – uh, possible thing that could happen, and you're preparing for those outcomes just in case. That's just the reality of the COVID right. era in the NFL. But you're right; that's that's the key. To, that could be a key to the game is how well that battery. Remember, it's not just about how good Greg Joseph is, but it's about the battery, especially if they have one day of practice. How well do they operate together? 
Well, yeah, and, and the thing is, is, is uh, it, it doesn't matter who's kicking, right? If if the snap isn't good, if the hold isn't true, right? Yeah. Um, the kicker doesn't have a chance anyway. So you're right; it is a battery. It's the long snapper, the holder, and the punter. And you can you can certainly guess that whoever whoever comprises the battery on that Saturday walkthrough in Atlanta is going to get a ton of work. Probably all two hours of that walkthrough is going to be used doing nothing but snapping, holding, getting the placement down, and doing a couple of practice kicks for sure. That's that's going to be uh, of utmost importance. Usually walkthroughs or walkthroughs the day before the game, but that aspect of it is going to be really critical. Uh, another thing that's critical, John, is is missed tackles. Uh, you know, we saw a bunch. Edward says there yeah. were 16 missed tackles. That sounds about right. Um you know, I, I think I'm going to believe Bruce Arians a little bit when he says that that was kind of a product of the Buccaneers having that week off and being a touch rusty. Because let's face it, they're not doing any tackling. No team is tackling at this stage of the season in practice. Mm-hmm. You just right. can't afford the friendly fire accidents, et cetera, uh, the injuries. So uh, it, I did see the tackling improve as the game went on. So I'm going to buy that from Bruce. But mm-hmm. that that's certainly something where – when you've got some fast receivers like a Calvin Ridley, like a, a Russell Gage, that that you you need to be able to uh, uh, you know to to uh, limit or or deny the yards after catch because that's how those guys can really beat you. It's not just catching the ball and and, and getting the air yards; it's also getting those yak yards after the catch too. Right. I mean, that's one of the keys of this game, honestly. That can the Bucks do that better? than they did in all facets, you know, the run game as well, yeah. than they did, you know, and really it's been the last couple of weeks that's been slipping a little bit. They were one yeah. of the better tackling teams in the league. Now by most missed tackle metrics, they're closer to like league average, still a little bit better than average. Mm-hmm. I think the Falcons are right around the same area. And actually it's funny. The Falcons are an okay tackling team, Scott, but they have actually allowed more yak this season than any other team in the league. Isn't even close it's like 350 yard difference between them and the next closest team. It's totally outrageous how much yak the the, the Falcons have allowed, and yeah. it's because they haven't missed that many tackles tells me that they're probably just not in position a lot of the time right. in coverage. So again, got to take advantage. I know the Bucks aren't this huge run after the catch offense in the passing game where they set guys up, but they've gotten a little bit of that involved with Antonio Brown. He's got to make plays and make people miss. Chris Godwin's got to make plays after the catch. That's something he did really well a year ago. People like, why aren't why are his yards per catch you know so far down this season? It's really has less to do with where he's being targeted, more to do with the fact that Chris Godwin, much as I love him, and then if Harold and him, he's not made a lot of plays after the catch this season. And so that, again, where's that playmaking ability with this receiving group, you know, where they can break a tackle and make somebody miss and make plays after the catch. We have hardly seen any of that from an, a, a receiver, right. any of them this year, Scott. Like, it's crazy. I mean, that's one thing, yeah. as much as we've knocked Antonio Brown, he's definitely brought that. I bet he's, I'll look it up actually while we're on the show because it just popped into my head. But I bet Antonio Brown, has forced as many missed tackles as Chris Godwin and Mike Evans all season, maybe yeah. combined. I mean, that's that's just – he's made people miss. It hasn't necessarily always equated into a big play, but that's one thing that he brings to them. And I, we said this when he was signed. That was the, the one big positive that we could see was he might not be the vertical threat Scotty Miller is, but he can make people miss. Right. So maybe this is a big Antonio Brown game. I can tell you this, Scott. I'm tired of saying it's going to be a big Mike Evans game. He's playing fine. I mean, it's it's fine. You know, yeah. he's producing fine, but, it's, again, it's just not – like he's not going to have the 150 for fantasy football players, John. That's what you're saying, right? That's it's right. Not, I mean, not the 100 150 yards receiving. It's not 10 catches. It's not two touchdowns. Right. It's what it's, Gronk has a 100 yard game this year. Evans has two. Yeah, and does Scotty have one? I don't. Godwin doesn't have one. Godwin came close. But Godwin he, came close a couple times. Yeah, he's like in the yeah, 80s. Scotty yeah, Miller had one against. Scotty had one. So, again, it's been – I mean, Tom Brady is true to the script, man. It has been yeah. spread out. There has not been – it's this guy's week. It's not really even been that. Right. It's literally everybody every week. So yeah. Here's here's one thing, too, that, that, I, that I think we would be remiss if we didn't mention. Um, the Falcons, they're, they're pretty decent at manufacturing some points. Uh, credit Dirt Cutter, last week you had Russell Gage throwing a, a 39-yard touchdown pass to Calvin Ridley. Uh, out of a wildcat formation. So you got one receiver throwing the ball to the other, and that worked out well. So, uh, you know, he, I don't know if we're going to see Russell Gage under center, but it's just one more thing the Bucks have to account for. If you remember last year, John, the first touchdown 
uh, pass that Matt Ryan threw. Who was it to here in Tampa in that 28-22 Falcons overtime win? Ty Sambrello. Yes, Ty. Lyman on the tackle eligible play. So th- that's one thing you have to uh, account for is, is Dirk Cutter likes the trickeration. And oh, if he yeah. does it, it's typically going to be in the first quarter to see if he can catch you napping. And the Buccaneers, let's face it, they've been asleep in the first quarter. They right? have been snoozing in the first quarter. Yes. Spot. So I would not be surprised at all if Dirk Cutter uh, scripts a, a trick play of some kind, a deception play to catch the Bucks napping. Because typically on defense, they don't wake up till the second quarter. Uh, so I, that's just something that, that if I was Todd Bowles, I would be hammering all week long is wake up, kickoffs at 1 o'clock. It's not at 1.30, it's at 1. So we got to be prepared if we take the field to start the game or if even if our offense goes down and puts seven on the board, the first time we take the field, we have to be alert mm-hmm. because yeah. that's typically when Dirk Cutter likes to strike with those uh, trickeration-type plays. Right. I mean, and I, if I'm the Bucs, I come out with – I mean, they came out with a great approach against Minnesota, to be honest. Brady just missed a couple throws in the first two drives. I didn't have a problem with the coaching – I mean, they run on every first down. I I think they need to stop doing that. But other than that, like I, I thought, you know, there were plays they could have hit in that on those first couple drives, and then consistently throughout the rest of the game, they hit plays and they made and they they drove the football. You know, you want to see him finish a little bit. The penalty set him back on the one drive. You know, you got to be able to overcome those. Like Tom says, sometimes you can, sometimes you can't. That drive they couldn't. Evans dropped the ball in the next play. That was a big uh, part of it as well. So again, but other than that, I mean, they pretty much scored on every single drive after those first two, other than the one where they had the penalty and the drop, and so. You know, I, I thought the process was pretty good offensively. Could have easily led to more points if they had more drives. Uh, yeah. They didn't. So 26, you'll take it when you have, what, eight drives and one of them's just running right. the clock out. So, um, you know, it's one of those things that you have to kind of evaluate the full context, but say, you know, I'm curious to see what kind of approach they come out with offensively in this game because I think, Scott, if they can get away from this, we got to run the ball in every first down type of mindset and they start to yeah. throw more on first and put the running backs in more winnable situations on right. second and third in short – you might have the kind of balance that throws teams off. Someone mentioned, mm-hmm. does the lack of a yak have something to do with um, the fact of the Bucks routes this season? Yeah. I think it does because I think most teams know it's coming. I think teams know it's coming a lot of the time. Right. They're in and a lot of pass off situations. It'll be interesting with, with Rojo being dressed and available for every game, starting every game at running back. If he misses this week, like we kind of think he will, mm-hmm. either due to COVID or the pinky, uh, it, without Rojo, does that – prompts a new approach on first down for Byron Leftwich. Are they less comfortable running the ball with Leonard Fournette or LaShawn McCoy on first down? I'm going to say no. I'm going to say that, that old habits die hard. Let and they're, me dream, Scott. Let me dream. That. But that was a great question from Mark Fisher about the yards after catch. And Mark Fisher also, who's a longtime, uh, gosh, Buccaneer Magazine subscriber way back in the day. I've not been able to do the cash pay here. I would gladly give a donation if you report on the homepage like I've done before. Greatly appreciate that, Mark. And if you, Pewter Nation, want to donate to pewterreport.com in this season of giving that we're in right now, um, we're making some significant upgrades to the website. Kind of a work in progress, as, as you may have, have seen. But uh, it's it's getting coming along now, Scott. It's, it's coming along. And we're going to be making some big upgrades to our Pewter Report podcast at the start of the new year as well. Uh, getting some new cameras, especially for Mark Cook. Um <laughs> So that's on the horizon, and uh, that's that's how we use our donations. Uh, we we don't go out for drinks and 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 dinner and stuff. We pour it right back into our company resources to give you guys the best bucks information possible. So if you want to donate, you can either do it here in the super chat, or you can go to pewreport.com backslash donation, and there will take you to a page where you can pick whether you want to be a one-time uh, donor for as little as $10 um, for your initial donation, or if you want to become a monthly donor for pewterreport.com, you can do that. We've got levels uh, from $3 a month all the way to $9 a month. So um, we appreciate all of the generous support that uh, that our, our Buccaneer fans and Pewter Report readers and, and viewers and listeners have, have, uh, have done for us this year and in years prior. And we'll do again for us in 2021. So just wanted to say thank you, from Mark Fisher, and and all of you, Big Earn, and and uh, and Greg DeCruz, and everybody that has done a super chat or a donation. We salute you. Yes, absolutely. All right, Scott, we got to get to predictions for this game. Uh, we've been keeping the people way over an hour with this podcast, and I know no, not one person has complained, but we are That's trying right. to keep them under. So let's get these previews out. Let's get these predictions out here. 
would you like to go for you've kind of we both kind of tipped our hand already but you go first in terms of breaking out what you think well before that i'm going to throw into briar greaves oh uh, yes let's talk about uh, our friends over at briar greaves yep so we're going to do that first and uh and, and pay some bills and you should and, get and, their prediction for this game honestly if you talk to them i know this week. i know I, I you know what the thing is i could probably if i wasn't doing the show right now i could email sam or briar and it probably it like that <laughs> matter of fact i did it i did email them earlier and I was I was a little disappointed. Uh, the the lag time went from four minutes to six minutes. So day today over at Briar Greaves. But folks, that's the type of customer service you're going to get um, if you go with a bigger company. You, you're going you're going to call and you're going to get different people every time. You're not going to have that personal relationship. And and I'm I'm telling you, Mark Cook was right. I called Briar Greaves. I got that personal relationship going with Briar Greaves Insurance. A lot of homeowners. Uh, listen, they've had people, uh, or I should say they've had their policies canceled or not renewed. They've seen maybe their homeowner uh, company uh, leave Florida, increase their rates significantly. Uh, one of those situations happened to me this year, and that's what prompted me to give Briar Greaves a call. And I did, and I'm glad that I did, because these folks, not only have they served the greater Tampa Bay area for 30 years with homeowners insurance, auto insurance, boaters insurance, life insurance, commercial insurance for your business, and flood insurance, they're also big Bucks fans. And so how cool is that to actually have a conversation with somebody that has a common interest? The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they're proud sponsors of the Peter Report podcast and on PeterReport.com. So do what I did, call Briar Greaves. There's the, the insurance information right there, the website, BriarGreavesInsurance.com. Give them a call at 813 813- 8764166 that's 8138764166 today briargreavesinsurance.com All right I got to answer Jordan's question Jordan we really appreciate the super chat donations in our way uh he says how many snaps did last week did Edwards and Whitehead and Winfield play at the same time how can, how else besides that can we mitigate uh Devin White in coverage um this is a good question. I've actually wondered how often they've been on the field, but without charting every game, uh, which I may do next season, but I didn't think of it till like partway through the season. And there's a lot of info out there already, but one of the things that isn't out there is how often, you know, these guys play at the same time. I can see their snap counts. I just don't see how many of those snaps overlap. And so right. that's kind of the struggle right now with trying to evaluate that. I know that they've done some of it, but most of it has not been all three of them on the field at the same time. I know that I just don't know the exact percentages. I would love to see all three of them on the same field at the same time, yeah. but I just we don't spend a lot of time on the podcast talking about things that are not going to happen. Devin White, it would floor me if the Bucks took him off the field at all. Like he's played right. in every snap in nine straight games. I just don't think it's going to happen. They're going to keep him on the field. I would love to see Jordan White in his place, uh, especially in key games. I think the, the next three games, like you evaluate it by game. If he's getting killed against Atlanta, you got to change course. We got to have a plan B in place. I don't think they'll even have that if they get to the playoffs and it's like this matchup's just horrible for us with Devin. like they gotta have you gotta have a plan in place you got have to be able to alter course and do some things differently to be successful so it's a big it's a good question jordan i wish i knew you know exactly what their plan was moving forward i do think that they can play edwards and winfield more high and play whitehead down low uh with levante david and and be fine in all facets um and honestly Use Devin White as a rotational pass rusher. Get him some snaps off the field, but get him in as a pass rusher. Let him go off the edge and play Jason Pierre-Paul inside. He can win a matchup there. Even if Devin White gets blocked, I wrote about this this past week, you know, the, Ross Cockrell's blitzing off the edge against an offensive tackle. It's five on five. The Bucks know he's getting picked up. It's not yeah. about what Ross Cockrell does. It's about the fact that you're getting five on five so somebody else can win. Jason Pierre-Paul can win. You know, Shaq Barrett can win, and you know there's no help. William Golston, bull rush all by himself against Garrett Bradbury, no help from the guard. Everybody's sliding out to somebody. You got uh, an incompletion forced on Kirk Cousins by blitzing Ross Cockrell, even though Ross Cockrell had nothing. Like he wasn't around. Like he, he was manhandled by the tackle. So even if Devin White gets destroyed by a tackle, which I don't think he's going to, you right. occupy different people and you get and you get matchups at times. So I just think you have to be more creative with how you use them. Early on in the year, he was blitzing more. He's still blitzing, but he's blitzing less on a like regularly on a per-game basis. I just think you have to blitz them and you can't blitz them that often. So just use them as a rusher and see what happens and get your best yeah. rushers on the field. So that's what I would do. All right, Scott. Greg thinks 31 to 10 bucks. What's yep. your thoughts? 
All right. Well, in, in looking at this this matchup, uh, and I'm looking at, at the the points here. I think the Buccaneers win. John, what I like about this is it's a road game. The Buccaneers score more points on the road than they do at home. You go back and look at that that game at Vegas, 45 to 20. I'm gonna say that game boosted it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, then you've also got the the, the Panthers game, 46 yeah, to 23. So now the Buccaneers were able to establish the run in both of those games, and that played a big role in the win. I don't think they're going to establish the run, but they're going to establish the pass, John. And I think the Buccaneers are going to put 40 points on the board. Wow. However, I, I do think that the Falcons will be able to pass the ball as well. This is going to be a little bit of a shootout game. I see the Buccaneers pulling away in the second half. I think they win this game 40-27. Uh, to 27. And the reason why I say 27 is because – that's what they've given up to passing teams. The Vikings were a really balanced team, and and I think that ended up costing them a little bit. Uh, they only put up 14 points. Of course, there was 10 missed points by Dan Bailey, so you yeah, almost have to think of that as a potential 24 points that the Vikings could have scored. So I think the Falcons put some points on the board. The, the Rams scored 27. The Chiefs scored 27. So I think the Falcons will score 27 because they're going to throw the ball. 40 to 27. Buccaneers win this one and get to nine wins, which all but assures them of a playoff uh, spot. Big super chat from Robert Farmer. So we're going to go over the hour mark to answer Robert's question. Robert, thank you. We appreciate the $10 donation. Do you think we'll start to use McCoy and Vaughn and more pass catching routes out of the backfield the same way Tom used James White in New England? Uh, it's not been something the Bucs have done a ton of. They've tried to develop the screen game. It has been miserable this season. I mean, they, it has been the Steelers are one of the most unwatchable screen teams in the league. That's my my team, obviously. And and uh, the Bucs are right up there, man. I mean, they – oh, it's bad. So they have to get the timing down and those kinds of things for the screen game. If you're talking about more as actual route runners flexed out wide, I would doubt that they'll deviate much from how they typically use these guys, start them out wide, use them, bring them in motion, things like that. But I would be surprised if there's a big deviation in, in that capacity. All right, here we go. Um Somebody mentioned it. I know I never bring it up on the podcast, but I'm 12 and one this year picking Bucks games. Yes, I know I haven't are. mentioned that at any point. So <laughs> why we hired you, John, because you're better than me at picking these games. I, <laughs> I did not expect to be 12 and one. That's very out of the ordinary. And it's also unsustainable. So I will not be repeating this performance <laughs> next season. Um, if you do, you're getting a hell of a raise. I'm just going on. <laughs> right now yeah. If I go 12, if I go 15 to one this season and match it next year, then. I mean, I think Hughes just got to make room for me at the top. So, <laughs> but no, I think, I mean, this, this season, you know, it's been kind of, again, matchups for the box. That's been the thing that's thrown them more than anything else. And I, again, I don't see it in this game. You know, it, it can be, there can be fluky things that happen. Sure. I mean, the bears game was the one I got wrong this season. And I felt like if you play that to that game, you know, 20 times, 19 times the box win and they didn't win that one. And that certainly can happen because the Falcons are good enough at quarterback for that to take place and still good enough a quarterback that to take place. They can put points up, I think, but right now I don't see the matchups to beat the Bucs. I think 40 would be great. Uh, that's possible. Uh, I think 33 uh, to 21 is kind of be the final score of this game. I think the Falcons score a little bit, but the Bucs pull away later in the game. And I think that makes a difference. Yeah. We wanted to, uh, you know, certainly give um, our thoughts and prayers to uh, Greg DeCruz, who is a uh, long time, Reader, listener, viewer, uh, chat uh, correspondent here in uh, in the Peter Reports podcast on YouTube. Um, certainly, uh, with your wife's mom and dad being very sick in the hospital, uh, we're happy to provide a distraction. And so, uh, certainly, wanted to wish um, your your in laws some some well wishes and a speedy recovery. And uh, sorry to hear that news. So hopefully, hopefully things will get better. Um, and hopefully the Buccaneers come away with the win too, John, because I think that'd make everybody feel better heading sure. into to Christmas. So, uh, John, you've got a podcast tomorrow. Guests yes. to be determined. Yes. Stay tuned to Twitter. That's correct. That's correct. Uh, stay Four tuned to Twitter. Tomorrow. Four o'clock, four p.m. tomorrow Eastern. We will be live. Um, and uh, I just got word. Actually, just messaged me. The great and the wonderful Greg Allman will be joining us yes. tomorrow on the great podcast. Guess. At 4 p.m. Greg on tomorrow's podcast from The Athletic, 4 o'clock. John and Greg talking bucks. Not just this year. Get into some of, of what your thoughts are going to be for next year, 2021, yeah. this offseason coming up. Uh, you know, Greg is, is a great friend of Peter Report, a longtime colleague working with him at, uh, at Raymond James and certainly at One Buccaneer Place. So that's going to be at 1 
heck of a podcast. Great guest tomorrow. John, we're going to be back on Sunday. Yep. Uh, 8 o'clock. Yes. Uh, 7.30, I think. We're going to try and, yeah. gonna try and sneak it in before the night game. I think, yeah, yep. 7.30. 7.30, Sunday, after the Bucks falcons game. Now, the next week, that's the week of Christmas, right? So we're going to have our Monday podcast at 4 o'clock as usual. That the week of Christmas, Christmas is happening. We just moved, Scott. I have no idea yes. when Christmas is. <laughs> yes. I have Christmas is, is Friday the 25th. So wow. Christmas Eve is the 24th. So there will not be a Christmas Eve podcast. We're going to be spending right. that time with family. And we encourage you all to do the same. There, there's going to be a game on, on the day after Christmas on Saturday. So that's the caveat change. So next week, we've got Sunday's podcast at 730 following Bucks Falcons. We have got the Monday postgame podcast at 4 o'clock. We will have the Bucks Lions preview podcast Wednesday at four o'clock on December twenty third. No podcast on Christmas Eve. Then uh, Saturday is Bucks Falcon. I'm sorry, Bucks Lions at one o'clock. So we will have a podcast seven thirty Saturday night. Right. Yep. So, so make oh, yeah. sure you're there for that. And then we will see what the Bucks schedule is. If Bruce will will be speaking Sunday. We might have our podcast on Sunday as opposed to Monday. So stay tuned for that. Uh, we'll have to see what the Bucks schedule is on a short-term uh, week there with the, with the holidays. Uh, Big Earn, uh, really appreciate you supporting um, uh, Greg. It's great to see Buccaneer fans come together. Thank you for that super chat. And we wanted to definitely mention that for sure. So, um, you know, it, it's it's been a great um, week for the Buccaneers with the win on Sunday, a couple of great podcasts, another great one coming up tomorrow with, yeah. uh, with John and Greg Allman from the athletic here on the Peter report podcast. Yeah, it's going to be fun. We appreciate all y'all joining us looking forward to tomorrow and hope you'll join us again then and spread the news until then. Thanks so much for listening to another edition of the Peter report podcast out out.